Today I'm speaking with Karen Rinaldini, who is in vision therapy right now. And we decided together that it would be helpful perhaps to have a question and answer episode where she's going to ask me some of the frequently asked questions. And we're going to share what's been going on with her as well as what my experience was when I was going through vision therapy. So let's start with an introduction, Karen. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Okay. Hi, Denise. Good morning. Um, I am 53 years old and I've had strabismus since I was little. I know I had two surgeries before the age of six and my entire life I was told you have a lazy eye, you will never be able to fly an airplane, you won't be able to play golf or tennis and there's nothing else you can do. And if you should have surgery or do therapy, you would have double vision. So this is what is going on in your life and it's to stay. About five years ago, I took the chance and I had surgery to straighten my eyes. And that was amazing to have straight eyes, except that two years following that, my brain decided it did not like having straight eyes. And the best way to describe what happened to me was seasick, drunk, hungover, uh, very ill, extreme vertigo, no spatial awareness. And I ended up not, le- not being able to work for about seven months. Wow. Not knowing what to do, I went to an ear-, ear doctor who sent me to a vestibular therapist who then treated me and I was getting so much better. And he said, I need to send you to a vision therapist because I... I'm not a vision expert. At that point, I started looking into vision therapy and I started learning about all the world of resources and vision therapy and and I got a lot better and I'm on the journey of continuing my therapy right now. So you've been in vision therapy for how long now? I did it for about a year. And I was good enough. I did not, I had not achieved 3D and I felt like it was good enough. And I went back to work and I felt too busy to continue. And I stopped and then I started having troubles again. So now I'm back in since January. So that's about eight months in now. Okay. And you've actually had some better results this time then? I think so. Also because I'm going weekly, whereas before I wasn't, and I'm doing exercises every day, 15 to 20 minutes. It's a very structured program I'm doing right now, which I think is working better for me. That's different than how you were doing it before then? Yes. It was a lot less structured before. Okay. With a different doctor then? A different doctor, yes. And this doctor is closer to me, which makes it a lot easier as well. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. How did you go about help finding helpful resources as you started this whole process? I went online. <laughs> I didn't know about Facebook groups at the time. And I found all these strabismic Facebook groups. And in one of the groups, I saw someone write something about Sue Berry's Fixing My Gaze. So purchased that book. And that, that is what changed my life reading that book 
is a life changer. And I'm actually reading it for the third time now. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm became very active on these Facebook pages of just reading and reading and looking for even a small piece of information or a small tip or small something that would help me understand. And actually on one of the Facebook groups called Looking Ahead, the administrator asked if anyone would assist her in administrating. And so I offered my assistance and little did I know that I would become the administrator of that Facebook page. It, and it, how long did it take before you were the actual administrator? Well, I didn't realize that I was until I had hundreds of people asking to join and it kept coming up on my Facebook. So when I investigated, I saw that, oh my gosh, I'm the only administrator. So I let everyone in and <laughs> I'm <laughs> and I'm hoping to spend more time moderating that and engaging people so that people feel like that they can share their experiences. Okay. And learn. Right. And so how long has that been going on with that? Facebook? That's just been a few months. I would say a month that I've been working on that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And when did you join that group? Probably about two years ago. Okay. So it was the first time that you were in therapy? That you yes. Part of it? Yes. Yes. Because I was told so often in my life, there's nothing you can do. That really was my mindset. I, until I read the book and found these Facebook groups, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was something I can do, even at my age. Right. I think that's been the real strong point of her book because that's how I felt when I read it. I was the same age as her. She was 48. I was 48 when I started. And it just was mind-blowing that we could do something finally. I cried probably the entire time I read it the first time. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah. And another thing is, I think I'm very lucky because I didn't struggle in school. I didn't have trouble working. I never had any issues until I was 50. Right. I didn't have any visual problems. So, you know, yeah, my eyes weren't straight and my kids were say, mom, my, my friends are freaked out because they don't know what you're, where you're looking or mm-hmm. people would say, you know, look at me. <laughs> but besides that, I didn't really care. Yeah. I had a similar situation with school too. I didn't have any problems in school. And I think a lot of people really do and they don't realize why they're having issues in school, but it can be a two-edged sword. You know, if you don't have any issues, then you don't know to look for answers. And then I think it's almost inevitable that at some point something's going to come up. My vestibular therapist, who I love, who I feel like saved my life, basically said it was like a frayed rope. The the connection between your brain, your vision system, and your sensory system, it was just a frayed rope, and it was going to break at at some point. Right. And I think that's a, a good description of what happened. Okay. And I don't know what the statistics would be on how often they see that. You know, if everyone that has strabismus at some point in life is going to have an issue or if it's only some of us that will. And I honestly didn't have an issue 
seeing so much as just the fact that my eye kept turning more and felt more stress, more strain all the time and more discomfort with how I looked. That's obviously an issue, but not quite like your issue. Well, what was very strange is that I didn't care that my eye turned out. I just, I think I was so used to being told that I had this, that, and I felt there was nothing I can do about it. I psychologically didn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I had the surgery was my husband and I were watching television and there was an actress with a lazy eye. And I looked at her and I said, oh my gosh, she's an actress. How can she walk around like that? And my husband looked at me completely shocked. And he said, you, you realize your eye is worse than hers. And I said, what? I couldn't believe it. And I took out my phone and I started looking at pictures and I saw that I did not occur to me how bad my eyes looked. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely blown away. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try. It's been years. Maybe there's been some changes. And I said, I'm going to find three doctors, go to three doctors and see if I can find someone to straighten my eyes. Mm-hmm. And the first doctor said, no, if we do that, you will have double vision. And the second one said, when do you want the surgery? And I said, well, how long have you been doing this on adults? And he said, 27 years. Right. So I, I did it. But what I wish I knew then, mm-hmm. for me, the best answer would have been vision therapy and surgery. However, my surgeon said he apologized to me that I had to have vision therapy when I was young because he said it's proven that it doesn't work. And that's really sad because that's not true. Right. (laughs) Absolutely not true. (laughs) And I am a firm believer that you need to have both. Yeah, I agree. People that have heard my story know that's part of why I was so against even having surgery, because I just thought, oh, I should be able to do this with just vision therapy. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't work. It doesn't have to be either or or both. It's just individualized, I think. Right. And why, why wouldn't you do both? I don't understand why so many people say you do one or the other. It doesn't make sense to me that we can't do both. Right. So... Sounds like the questions that you had early on were somewhat addressed by the Facebook groups that you found. Is that true? My big question was, will I be able to see in 3D one day? Mm-hmm. And that's been my big question. And none of the doctors I've seen have been able to answer that. And so that question morphed into, will I be able to uh, work at a computer drive at night and do normal functions for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That, that, and then the 3D would just be like an extra bonus. And so early on, I had that mindset and that attitude. But having 3D has become like a mission for me and something I really, really, really want. That is how I feel or how I have always felt about it as well. <laughs> yeah. There were just a couple more questions I was going to ask you. 
So when you're moderating your Facebook group, are there some frequently asked questions that you see on there? I think that people are looking, they're looking for doctors, they're looking for insurance. I feel like they were the way I was a few years ago. No understanding that you can have straight eyes and do vision therapy and that it's, it's, re- it's really a neurological issue. And I think so many people, especially at the beginning, they don't understand everything that's going on. It can be scary. And the one thing that I've found that is that everyone is very, very, very different. Yeah. So through this journey, I've spoken to some people on the phone, including you. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for someone who's sort of similar to me or whose their experiences are similar enough to me that they can help me. And so I think that people on the Facebook groups feel the same way as I do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you find one helpful piece of information, one little thing, you know, whether it was about uh, Sue Berry's book, I would post every day, read this book read this book. book. (laughs) (laughs) And I found out about Jillian's book on the Facebook groups, which you um, interviewed Jillian. So that was exciting. So when I see something like that, that's a good day. And I'll go out and I'll buy the book and be super excited to read it. Right. What do you wish people were asking that they're maybe not asking in those groups? I, what I what I would like is for people to not ask, should I do surgery or should I do therapy? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they maybe need to ask, what are the questions I need to ask the doctor? And maybe it's going to take you going to five different doctors or even 10 different doctors before you find the right solution. Mm-hmm. So I think just getting as much information as you can and seeking out help based on what you have and understanding what your situation is so that you can ask questions. It's probably really the the best thing is to, to find the questions that you need to ask. And, you know, and especially if you're like me, I mean, I felt, I always was told there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. So to go from that to, yes, there is, after 50 years, is is so incredible. So just for me, hearing stories of people who are better or are f- somehow fixed is, is just brilliant to me. Mm-hmm. Are there any resources that you would like to see available that you haven't been able to find? Well, I think that a lot of the Facebook groups and a lot of the support groups are, I keep going back to this, so I apologize, are either do surgery or do vision therapy. And I would love to see more resources for people that are doing both. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to see more detailed accounting of the stories, Mm -hmm. which is maybe something I should and, and will do myself as I'm going through this. Okay. Well, and I think that there are some stories out there that maybe we don't have access to all the time. When I was talking to Robin and Jillian, 
Robin said she had written hundreds of stories and some of them that were in calendars or other things where we wouldn't necessarily have access to those. And so it might be interesting to find out where some of those are. Right. And also because this is not something that we share with people outside of our own world. Right. I know when I tell people in my real world, not my extra business world, <laughs> they, they look at me like I'm crazy. When I tell them I don't look in 3D, they absolutely, they look at me like I'm insane. They have no idea what I'm talking about. True. Yeah. So I think we can move into the questions that you had indicated that you wanted to ask me. Okay. Go ahead and do that. Do you feel like we're complete on your part of the story? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And it's not, it's because it's not a finished story. Exactly. It's not a finished story. That's the most important thing. Right. Okay. My questions. So what were your goals in the beginning and did they change throughout the process? Okay. So my goal when I went in was to find out if I was a good candidate to achieve 3D. And when my doctor told me from at the very beginning that he thought that I was, because I had a little bit of fusion about about 12 inches out from my face, that gave him a lot of hope that I would sail through it, you know? And so I felt like that was a really reasonable goal that I could achieve 3D and I could be just like Sue Barry. (laughs) That was, that was, it was supposed to be easy, you know, and it really was not easy at all, but my goal didn't change. I still wanted that. It, it just took way longer than I thought it would. And it looked a lot different. What was not easy? Well, I didn't get the results right away. And not even close to right away. So I had so many sessions. I think that I, I shared it before some odd 50, 50 some odd sessions with no real results and stopped for a year and a half and then came back after my doctor had trained in syntonics and did that and finally had to give in and have surgery before I could achieve the 3D vision and still several more sessions after the surgery. So it really didn't look like I thought it would. But what happened is I went back and I read Sue Berry's book again, Fixing My Gaze, and realized that she, when she was doing therapy, had aligned eyes and that that was a key component. And I wasn't able to convince my eyes to be aligned (laughs) because of how many years of strain and uh, increased presbyopia and whatever else that happens as you age, because they were not that crooked years ago, but I couldn't do it. And, and I had to have that help in order to achieve it at that point. I don't know if it could have been done another way or not, but that's where I was. And that's what I chose in order to reach that goal. And that's what worked for you. That is the support thing. Yeah. Now, were you consistent with doing your exercises and do you have tips on, on being consistent and getting your exercise done? And I was pretty consistent. I think I could have probably been better. I think that most people can, <laughs> but what worked for me was just making sure that I had a time set aside for it. 
And I think it's helpful to connect it to another activity, like saying, I'm going to do this right after I have dinner or right when I get home or whatever works for you. Just having it at a consistent time every day so that you know it's not going to get skipped. And that that's tended to help me make sure that I did it. Okay. I was, I was saying before, uh, I was talking about talking to people outside of our little world. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you explain all of this to your friends and family, what you're going through and what you're doing? And it's hard to explain it, honestly. And a lot of my family members are strabismic. Um, four of my five brothers, actually. And I think particularly they didn't understand. And it, it seems funny that that would be the case, actually. But even now, uh, it, it took my brother, the most strabismic brother, until a few months ago to actually even address it with me, to ask me about it even though he knew I'd been going through the, this whole process all this time. And so I, I think that makes it even more difficult, honestly. You know, if, if someone who's strabismic doesn't understand why this is important to me, then why would someone who sees normally care? And they don't get it at all. They, they don't understand that things look a lot different in 3D than they do in 2D. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I had a, an interesting experience. I was in a museum with my husband and son, and there was a very old machine that had the, the stereo vision game, or you, know, you could see, and it was from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And so my son said, oh, if I cover one eye, I think I'll see what you see. And he did that, and he said, oh my gosh, the images aren't popping up anymore. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, that's how I see. And it really was amazing because he's much more interested in what I'm doing now because he sees that there is that difference. Now, I don't know if that's scientifically correct or not, but that was sort of a game changer for my son. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's available anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't think it's just closing one eye all the time. I think it would have to be a certain activity, and it's probably not 100% accurate of what we see or don't see. Right. I've heard that people who do see in 3D, their brain will make up the difference, even if they do close their eyes, that it doesn't give them a true picture of what it's like to not see in 3D. I don't know about you, but uh, I try not to share this with other people. Mm-hmm. because they just don't understand. And uh, I wish I could explain it to them so that they do understand. It would, it would be nice. It would. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't think there's an easy answer to that one at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think having the support of these, whether it be Facebook groups and reaching out to other people, I think is, is great. So uh, my eyes alternate and, in, at my vision therapy, there, my therapist always tells me that there's, this, there's another woman who's an adult and she's an alternator too. And so she always says, my other alternator. <laughs> and I asked her, 
I said, I would love to meet her. <laughs> and I think she was a little freaked out by that and, you know, HIPAA and everything. I said, well, you know, maybe you can ask her if she wants to meet me. Sure. So she hasn't said anything, so I didn't push it. So I don't know if that's okay or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably she felt a little embarrassed that she had shared that there was someone else that was like you or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, but I'm dying to meet her. Every time I'm always looking around in the office. If <laughs> I don't, you know, she doesn't come in right before me and I'm the last person in the day. So I don't know if it's her. Right. I tend okay. to not share it with a lot of people. But I did post on my regular Facebook page that I have this podcast. And one of my friends from high school asked me questions and it was about a child that he knows. I don't, he didn't say if it was his grandchild or someone Mm -hmm. else. I don't have any idea who the child is, but he was interested in finding out more because that child was strabismic. And so hopefully that sharing that I did do is going to help someone. Mm -hmm. People knew that I had my eyes strained and, what I, what I did was after I had my eyes straightened, I said to people, I said, what was it like speaking to me or looking at me before? And they would say, oh, you know, I never knew what I to look at. I didn't know if you were paying attention and all of these things, which again, I was super oblivious to. And I did have uh, one or two people tell me they knew someone who had a lazy eye and what doctor did I go to, that it was just about the straightening. Then when I've had sort of this uh, frayed rope situation, that has been impossible to talk about. A very close friend of me uh, thought that maybe I was just stressed out and it was a stress-related issue. And I think a few other people felt like I was having more a, a breakdown than anything real or concrete because they don't understand how the visual system works. Exactly. So my, my question is because I'm going through therapy. Like I want to, did you sleep more? (laughs) Were you tired? You have headaches. Like what was, what were there differences in your daily life? I don't think that I ever connected it to vision therapy. If there were differences. So I wouldn't say, I noticed that I needed to sleep more or anything like that because sleep has always been one of my hardest things. And I tend to go, 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 go and not get a lot of sleep. So that didn't really change during vision therapy, although it probably should have. And if I looked back on all of that and I thought about it very hard, it could have influenced whether I was having success or not. Honestly, I, I don't know because I'd never listened to my body in the category of sleep. Like I never have. And it's actually something I'm working on now because I feel like that's one of those missing pieces that can make my life a lot better. And it doesn't have to necessarily do with vision therapy for me or with my visual system. Although I think it's, probably affected it this whole time. I think everyone should listen to their body more, you know, and I, I probably really fell down in that category. So did you have headaches? Uh, were you dizzy? Uh, 
I were you think, able to work okay? Yeah, and I, I that's that was the interesting thing because I I read a lot about how people did struggle with those issues, and I felt really blessed that I didn't. But I also wasn't getting results a lot of the time that I was doing vision therapy. You know, it wasn't until after I had my surgery that I started to get results, and so my brain. I don't think it really rewired the way it was supposed to or the way that I thought it should uh, until after the surgery. And then it already knew what to do because I'd been teaching it for years. Mm -hmm. It's a different process than what you would go through if you already had your eyes straight because you're looking at my end process, you know, although you had the part before too. No, you didn't have any therapy till after you had your surgery, right? Right. Yeah. Right. My process was totally different. I think that makes a big difference in how all of it worked in my brain. I haven't spoken to anyone or seen people have had the issue with me where I was having trouble. Well, I know a lot of people have trouble driving. I was having trouble driving, but I was having severe headaches I was having uh, problems with spatial awareness, so I couldn't go for a walk. I couldn't tell where the curb was. Um, I actually had a panic attack one night because I was standing on a street and people were walking towards me and I couldn't tell how far away they were. And it was wow. frightening. So I had a lot of those issues, which for some reason, I don't hear about other people who who went through all of that. So work, everything had, had been a challenge and unfortunate. Well, fortunately I can say the pandemic came because I was on the verge of going on disability because I wasn't able to drive and I wasn't able to spend much time on the computer pandemic hit. And it was sort of time off for me. So I didn't go on disability and I've been able to focus on therapy and I'm doing a lot better in that regard. So that's pretty cool. That is really great. Denise, what, what tips do you have? Like what would, what would you tell yourself back then that would have helped you throughout this whole process? That's a really interesting question because I, I don't think we hear about very many alternate options. The therapy is pretty straightforward, you know, and they just say, here's your exercises, go home and do these. I was actually working on some natural vision improvement techniques before I went to therapy because that's what I had initially discovered when I was searching the internet. And I basically discarded those when I started vision therapy. And looking back, I wish that I wouldn't have discarded those because I feel like there's still so much more that I can do to improve my eyesight. And one of those things that I recently started doing again, actually, is palming my eyes. What's that? Well, it's, it, it's exactly what it sounds like, actually. So basically, you put your palms over your eyes and block out all the light and leave them there for as long as you want to, really. And, you know, get your, get your hands warm first, and then you the way that you put them over, I think can probably vary whether your hands are crossed or not crossed or whatever blocks out the light better. And 
it just lets your eyes relax because there's not any actual light getting to them. And you can leave your eyes open or closed. And I, I've realized that I just do not let my eyes relax. And I can feel that they're not relaxed pretty much all the time. They're not relaxed. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really working on that because I think it's going to help everything about my vision to let that happen. I like that. That probably would have helped me with headaches and, and dizziness and everything. I wish I knew about that sooner. I like that, I like that a lot. Also working on more meditation and those kinds of things. Just everything that can help your body relax. You know, because I've Great been advice. headaches and all of that. I blamed it on my whiplash injury that I had. But honestly, it could have been going on longer than that and been due to eye strain as well. And I think that we can all do a better job of relaxing and meditating and, and letting our eyes have a rest. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I do. I do meditate, but I do want to add palming to that. How is driving for you? Driving is the one thing that I think a lot of people talk about. So I'm curious to know how driving was before, during, and after. Driving has always been a challenge for me. When I first learned, my dad really thought I was going to wreck the car. (laughs) It was really scary for everyone. And not that I didn't become an okay driver, but I never loved it. And it would put me to sleep. So I I always had this problem staying awake when I was driving. And I I don't know if if it's been because it's a strain for me and my eyes just don't want to keep doing it or, or what it is. And the fact that I'm always sleep deprived, which is what it was always blamed on, but Parking was always hard. I could never tell how far away I was from the next car. I've run into things before. So it was very challenging. And after, it's become a lot easier. But I still second-guess myself. And that's, I think, the hard part about learning this skill so late in life is that even though I tell myself, I can see this, I know exactly how far it is, I still second guess it and I get out of my car and I look, Oh, I really, it really is that far. I really <laughs> did do it. Okay. You know, and it's, it, I think it's just going to continually be a process where I have to help myself to trust that, that my visual system is working correctly now. I look forward to that. That will be nice because driving and parking is such a problem. <laughs> I would love for that to be better. Did you ever give up? Did you ever feel like giving up or not want to do it anymore? I actually kind of gave up for a bit in the middle of that. I, I've described that. And people told me I should give up, honestly. They would say, maybe it's just okay for you to accept the fact that your eye is, is not straight. And they were treating it like it was only you know a vanity issue where, oh, you just want your eye to look correct to everyone else. And that wasn't really what it was about. It was, it was a part of it, certainly, but it, that wasn't really what it was about. And, and it was about feeling whole and complete in myself that I'm able to see the world like everyone else and in a way that is beautiful and complete for me. And 
that was so important to me. So I didn't want to give up. And that's why I kept doing things on my own when I wasn't in actual therapy and kept looking for more answers. I probably could have done more during that time than I did. So it looks a little bit like giving up. <laughs> but it was, I never lost that dream and that desire. That's awesome. I had something very exciting happen last week. I went to vision therapy and my eyes were fusing, which was amazing. And we were working on the depth part of that. Mm-hmm. And I left. And as I was driving home, the stoplights were essentially floating in, in the sky. And it was a very sunny day. And instead of thinking, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful, I was horrified and scared because I felt so unstable in the world. I felt like it was a psychedelic experience, um, which actually scared me. And I was a little disappointed because I was expecting this wonderful experience of like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing in 3D. And it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be. Did you have moments like that, milestones, where there was a moment where like, oh my gosh, this looks different? I think that there were probably a lot of times when it looked different, but I didn't record those times. And I feel bad that I didn't write them down and say, oh, there was this thing that happened. And, and I was always looking for more. And maybe that's a tip to tell people to record the milestones, write them down. And how you feel about them, because we can feel different ways about different things that are happening visually. And I guess if you feel scared about it, that's okay too, because you were certainly scared before your vision therapy when you had those experiences that you described with not being able to tell how far away people were. So it may not be different after for a bit either, as as you get used to how it's different. And I remember feeling scared like that when I was, I've talked about this before, but when I was driving home from a 3D movie and the snow was coming at my windshield and it was quite unnerving that it was approaching me like that. (laughs) And I thought, wow, I never noticed that the snow did that before. That is, that's crazy, you know, And, and my daughter with me who also had gone through vision therapy and you know, was in the 3D movie with me, it was experiencing the same thing. We were both kind of going, wow, this is so weird. And it can definitely be an unnerving experience. And it, and it, those other beautiful experiences will come. But I just have to accommodate to, you know, get, get used to the fact that it, it is definitely different than it was before. Yeah, I think I didn't realize that it could be like this. Every time I get in the car, I look at my steering wheel to see if it's floating (laughs) (laughs) from Sue Berry. And on one of these uh, Facebook groups, there is a woman who posted a picture of a coffee cup Mm -hmm. and said, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So I think I have this romantic beautiful idea of what this all is going to look like. There's several blogs that I've read where people will post about different odd experiences. Like 
seeing the the flies in the air just when there's a haze and you can just see them in the you know and you can tell how far away they are from you and just like fruit flies or some little tiny bugs those kinds of things and how beautiful that was and someone that's not experiencing this world would just think that is the craziest thing ever you know? <laughs> <laughs> bugs really and I remember reading those and going wow I wonder what that would be like to see that you know and there's all kinds of experiences like that and like I said I wish I would have noticed them more and not been so busy and so much about oh I want my result I want my result to take a little more time and that's probably a good tip to take the time to really notice and record and then celebrate the fact that you could see something that you didn't see before. That is a great tip. And how did you celebrate? Did you celebrate? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're going to ask all the difficult questions. I probably did not celebrate as much as I should have. And that's another one of those things that I wish I would have done a little differently. I celebrate after the fact now by going to 3D movies. And I count it as vision therapy for myself, but also a treat for myself. And I take my daughter so that we can both hone our ability and enjoy it, and, you know, have a good time together. And it's, it's like our little party time. And I went back to look at how many 3D movies we had gone to as I, I was going through all my memorabilia stuff. And I went, wow, we went to a lot of 3D movies in the last three years because that was our time to celebrate that we can see in 3D. Have you seen more depth and more clarity as you keep going to the movies? Has it changed or? Um, I don't know if it's really changed. I think that that is my way of keeping my 3D because when I've gone back for a checkup when I, and when I took my daughter back for a checkup, what happened when we had kind of relaxed that aspect of things was we regressed both of us. Oh, wow. So that's when, why I'm saying, I don't know if my brain really totally has switched the way it should. Because I have to do my exercises. I have to do something all the time or I start to regress. I don't think that's true for everyone, but that's for me. And so So you do, you still do exercises every day. I try to do something every day. And when I didn't, there were some time periods in here of when I haven't. And that's when I noticed the regression. And I really don't think that's true for everyone, but it's true for me. And it may be that it's just going to take longer for my brain to switch over. Maybe it will always be something that I have to work on. Well, I'm not a finished story yet, so I can't tell you (laughs) (laughs) what my situation will be. But I would love to be on the other side of the interview and be able to tell you what it's like for me. Yeah. And I will. I will. You will. You definitely wow. will. And I look forward to hearing that side of the story. So we will definitely have to do that. And hopefully it won't be that long from now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm very uh, competitive and hard-headed so, and focused. And I, this has been a lesson on 
calming myself down and taking the time and not be rushed about it. Right. So that's also something I'm learning. I don't know if you've had that experience as well. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a process that I'm still in the midst of learning, honestly, you know, and the, the accepting how things happened and that I did it the best that I could at the time. And I wish I would have known things then that I know now, but that's, that's how life goes for everyone in lots of different areas. Right. Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today about everything. Do you have any final tips that you want to give before we end? Just know that everyone is different. There's no cookie cutter uh, way to go about this and get support. I think we really all need support going through this because the outside world really does not understand. And there's really no good way to explain this to them mm-hmm. and keep moving forward and be positive, be optimistic and do what you can do. Great. And I just want to add that I think that it's really important to trust yourself and to get as many opinions as you feel like you need about the best course of action for you and then move forward and just don't give up. That's so true. (laughs) So true. And I so appreciate your story and everything that you're doing. I love that you're doing these podcasts. It's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. I have someone listening <laughs> and, and that we're able to address some, hopefully some questions that will be helpful to people. So I really do. I hope so too. And we'll put it on uh, looking ahead. My little the Facebook group that I'm the administrator of. Very nice. That would be awesome. And hopefully there will be some people there that will really benefit from listening to today's discussion. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Our Sight. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, add a review, and share it on your favorite social media. You can also ask questions or suggest a guest by visiting my Facebook page, Healing Our Sight, and more information is found on my website, HealingMySight.com. Thanks again for listening.